Okay, and first. Welcome, welcome to Midweek in the City. Yeah. On ecumenism tonight. Ecumenism. Yeah. Okay, so what led you to choose to attend a Baptist church? Your, your family? Family. Okay. okay. That, that's what they always did. That's how you grew up. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. That's too funny. Why else? What else came up? Yeah. great it's a pretty good story and so uh some people related to that what it is (laughs) oh yeah uh some people kind of in a related fashion some people are not really baptist or they're not particular about any certain kind of denomination or faith tradition and they just find a welcoming group or a, a, a church that in which they, for one reason or another, feel at home. Is that any of your uh, stories? I think part mm-hmm. of it, too, especially with, with having moved around and more than I care to admit, um, looking, trying to find a church that has a really strong single program that receives a lot of support from within the church itself. Uh-huh. Yes. The church structure itself has almost more or less dedicated person overseeing that ministry that mm-hmm. you've heard of. Yeah. And it's, it's very unique. Yeah. Okay. That's, you know, plus the family connection component. <laughs> sure, that's yeah. right. Family connection, too. That's yeah. Great. Yeah. Yes, sir, Tommy. Yeah. There's a church that I get lost all the time. It's the end of 10 years. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Trinity Baptist Church. Yes. Sure. It's a it's a I have some good friends there. Uh yeah. we we know some folks there. Chris knows some yeah. folks there and they are uh, great people. Good church. Yeah. Good church. Um, some of you raised your hands. Uh, Ryan, I think you've raised your hand about the, a friendship. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, and by the way, that's very common uh, these days. It wasn't in my day, but um, it, it's, it's very common for a, a certain cohort of probably below 35 folks, for, below 40, uh, to um, say, you know, we're going to go to this church or that church, um, and or I'm going to go to this church and this church. And that's very common. And at first, I um, would get my hackles up about that, uh, but I've just long since given in. So, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you said it, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, I, I get it. And, and I think it has a lot to do with community being in short supply and with the ver- sheer variety of the different types of offerings of other churches. And I, I do get it. I, I, um, I think there's much to be said for planting roots, roots firm and deep in a congregation uh, and for those to be your people. But uh, I do absolutely understand that. And um, I think... I am, um, I get it. I mean, I, I really, really understand that, and I would not uh, hinder that at all. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, any, any other thought on uh, how you came to be at a Baptist church? David? And, and you know everybody in Pleasanton anyway, so it's, it's, it's like one big church anyway. So, um, okay. So what have you learned about God or about your faith from either someone or from a church that was not Baptist? Um, does anything come to mind for that? Yeah, Laura. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's 
that is fascinating to me, really, yeah. uh, in those traditions. Were you, did you raise your hand? All that stuff is creeping in. <laughs> yeah. 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 Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah. Donya. There's meaning in the waiting for those things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tanya? Mm-hmm. Huh. Wow. Wow. That's, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Jessica, did you have a comment? Right, right, sure. No, the 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 ancient the ancient rite of blah blah. Uh, no, no, I get it, Jessica. Yeah, kind of a formalized liturgy there. Um, Scott, were you gonna say something? Yeah. Yes, right, right, and yeah. Then, so then, like, the fact that the Jews still celebrate Passover, to me, testify that, about that God is... So the, so the ancient nature of, of a f- community's faith really spoke to you? Well, just the fact that, I mean, you know, there's, there's a bunch of traditions that come and go, but this one stayed mm-hmm. as if yeah. it has, you know, power behind it. For, for millennia, and yeah. This, 
right. Yeah. 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 That's really good. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Well, Chris, come on up. Y'all, this is we're our, excited yes, to have Chris Johnson joining us this Senior Pastor week. Chris Johnson is here <laughs> as the sole representative of lead clergy. Uh, <laughs> We we were gonna we were gonna have also we we're gonna have a panel of guests, but now we get and to I have this just Chris. We get to just Chris. Yeah, just you Chris. can call me that, just yes. Chris. Great. <laughs> so welcome, Chris. Yeah. Uh, Howdy. Hello. Glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. We. I have. I. This is my first in-person midweek with Megan. Oh, oh my right. gosh. Yes, That's so weird. I know. That's right. I'm, I'm excited. Your appearances with us predated uh, Megan's arrival yeah. at First Baptist Church, so uh, this Man. is uh, this is great, yeah. and and really thank you for being here. Sure. Um, and it's just this is going to be. I, I I'm looking forward to hear your thinking, hearing your thinking on uh, on this. And we talked about this word at the very beginning, ecumenism, um, and it, it's just a kind of a, one of these words that's kind of cumbersome and so forth, but will you, will you help us prevent this conversation from just becoming this ivory tower of big words and uh, help us to see what is the practical nature of ecumenism? What is it, what does it do? What does it mean? How do you define it? Yeah, I think you define, and, and I like where you were going earlier, you, ecumenism is working together. And so you think about this across denominations in particular. You know, you mentioned before across the globe, uh, which is important and uh -huh. true. But in particular, usually what we mean are two denominations that come together and work alongside each other, even though they are different denominations because sometime in the history of the church, they had a split over theology. Mm -hmm. But even with whatever way we deviate in theology from one another, we can still work together. Now, I can give you a couple of examples, practical things that we're doing here and now. So one of those things we do here and now is we love First Pres. And so we work specifically and uh, regularly with First Pres on how to minister and serve homeless people. Um, and we're um, grateful to do that with them. Right? So they're across yes. denominational lines working together in that way. Um, and there's, there's other people, you know, I love working with Christ Episcopal too. We've been able to do some things with them, um, good folks and good people. And so there are times and ways, um, we can set aside some theological definitions, um, so that we can work together. And usually that's very practical things. Yeah. The, the common ground, uh, being faith in Jesus Christ, correct? Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, when I was thinking about this. Um, there was a verse in particular that I think about a lot. Let me, let me turn. It's, so it's 1 Corinthians 12. And I think about this verse a, a lot in a lot of different contexts, but I think it fits specifically here with this conversation we're having. So let me read it. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I make known to you that no one uh, speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So when we think about those that we're going to work together with, um, that's a baseline. Um, and we think about this as a moment of power in that um, the body is coming together under this authority of the Christ. And so 
if we can both say together, Jesus is Lord, um, I suspect the Holy Spirit is, is in that and doing, mm. doing the work in that. That's good. Right? It's so, so great. Yeah. And some of, when I've had conversations with this, with folks, the, the fear in engaging in ecumenical work is, well, I don't want to, um, you know, sacrifice what I believe, or I don't want to wade into a space where it's a pluralistic or universalistic, you know, and, and um, sacrifice what I believe to be true. And I think, and it's an important distinction to make. Um, so I guess help us make that distinction. What's the difference between ecumenism and kind of universalism, but also... Um, why we shouldn't have that. Yeah, so, so a lot of people don't want to work with one another. Um, like I was saying earlier, that there was some sort of theological schism around some kind of topic or belief, and we don't want to be seen as like them or approving them or being with them in, in whatever uh, way that is. But this was going earlier with, with, this, with this verse... If we can agree, uh, Jesus is my Lord, we can work together in these kinds of things. Um, we can look past some of those theological differences and say, we're going to work together for the kingdom of God. And, and I say that in particular, because if we can come together around Jesus, there will be mighty and miraculous things. Jesus both commands and encourages unity. So when churches of different denominations can come together under Jesus' authority, um, miracles happen. Mm. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing. And this is where I separate it from other, or, so you're talking about universalism, or let me take this a step further to just social organizations. That, that's sort of a different kind of thing um, that lack the authority and power of Jesus Christ, right? And so ideally, I hope we work alongside those uh, most often that are aligned uh, with who Jesus is, because I think that's where we see power and his authority um, really, really do mighty work. Yeah. yeah. I, what, what do you see, Chris, as the value, <clears throat> practically speaking, in ecumenism? I mean, we can join forces. Is it just a force multiplier, or is, it, or is there some other... Uh, more transcendent value at work there? Yeah, I think it's both of those things. Okay. Uh, so let me say, you know, when I'm, when I'm driving around, usually I will listen to books on Audible, and so I'm always kind of listening to something, um, trying to learn something. Um, and the, the one I'm listening to currently is, is it Creativity, Inc.? It's the Pixar story. Mm. Right, so... Um, working through that, and this so is like a big Pixar uh, fan group here. Let's so. let's get into the Pixar story, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this somewhere. So, as as Did a part, you see Monsters Inc. That was great. <laughs> okay, I think it's called Creativity Inc. I mean, you can look and see. I think it's Creativity Inc. But anyway, where where I'm going this with this is most people. And, and this is, I think this is, a, this is a mechanism in our brain to help us understand things. Most people, when we see something happen, we think it's the result of a singular entity or one person. So an example, as so you're listening to this book, so they gave an example. Like, you know, most people assume, like, Steve Jobs created the iPhone. 
It's like, well, kind of. But there were hundreds, if not thousands, of people who actually made it happen. Um, and it, it was kind of the same thing with Toy Story, uh, right? So most people in that world just assumed and attributed that to John Lasseter. It was like John Lasseter's baby. But in reality, for it to happen, there were hundreds of people that worked together and their expertise and creativity went into to make it happen. And so I say that because usually when we think about these big movements or incredible things happen, and happen we like to just pin it on one person or one group because it helps us categorize it in our minds, mm. when in reality, it's, it's a huge force of people behind it. And so where I'm going with that, and this is part of what I was saying earlier about the miraculous nature and work of Jesus Christ, is mighty things. When we think about the work in the church, where, where mighty things have happened, where we've seen revivals happen and miracles happen, um, you're, you're not going to find one church behind that, right? You're not going to find one pastor behind that. Um, in reality, um, there are many um, who are working together in the spirit. And then you see this great fruit. It's, it's, it's like the fruit that were coming out of the promised land. If you remember the story of the promised land, right, right after the exodus, they moved to the promised land. They're, they're carrying grape clusters that took two men to carry. And so where I'm going, this is the kind of fruit we might see when we come together um, as the body of Christ whole. There, there are things beyond our imagination that will happen when we work together as the body of Christ. Um, and think about it. It's, it's almost like, like the finger trying to do something, uh, you know, creative on its own or the foot trying to get somewhere by itself. I mean, when we work together, it is amazing the things that will happen to advance the kingdom of God. And so I, I think you're talking about a force multiplier. That's kind of how I see that, that. In that unity, I think Jesus blesses that, and we see unimaginable things when we can work together. You know, that's one of, and, and you invoked, or you evoked, uh, Pixar. Paul's. Well, <laughs> no, but, Pixar and Paul. Uh, yeah, right. I want to do a podcast on that. Um, you, you evoked Paul's imagery of the body, but you right. also, the, the other language that you put around that, Chris, is one of the, really, it's one of the best uh, doorways to understanding ecumenism that I've heard um, in that. Uh, it, when you're driving around looking at churches, you, you have the transcendent thing going on is Christ. It's like Christ is saying, look at my churches, you know, see this. And there are things going on here that you don't know about in this city, you know, that you may know something in your own church, but you may not know something here. And, and maybe it's because of that transcendent nature that a yeah. force multiplier is even possible. Maybe the right. force multiplier right. is built on Right. That transcendent reality. But that, that is so, the Pixar angle is really, <laughs> really, really good. Yeah. And you, you grew up Baptist. Mm -hmm. right? I did. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've talked about this in staff meetings too, just working with other pastors in the city. Mm -hmm. um, what have you learned from working with ministers in other faith traditions? Um, and what are things that we can learn? Sure. I, so when I think about... Um, Ministers of other faith traditions. Let me, let me just, I'll, I'll name some names, not to like call them out, but say these are people I love. We'll edit that out <laughs> later. <laughs> so it's okay. Um, so <clears throat> let me just mention a few of that are outside Baptist life um, that I love. Um, 
so you know, so like Bob at at First Press, whom you know I love to work with. Um, Tom was at Redeemer. He's now moved, um, but we're grateful for him. Uh, Pat at Christ Episcopal, you know, grateful for him. And um, also in this time, I've been able to work um, with different people that are closer to the Pentecostal um, life, too. They're probably more Bapticostal. Um, there's, there, there is this... Those are my people. That's Megan. Yeah. I know. That's that's Megan. That's, and so um, there's this sort of real togetherness in some Bapticostal places I, and corners I've known of the city. Bapticostic. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but but I anyway. But when I hear when 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 I talk with these folks, and then and then several kind of non-denominational guys, or I think about like Kirk Freeman at Crossbridge, uh, whom I love. Um, and so when we share these interdenominational experiences, I say one of the great things about it is that when you are with somebody, you begin to understand that we're all the same. This is what I mean by that. We, we all have the same questions. We all have the same heartaches. We all have the same uh, problems. We worship the same God. And what I mean by this is, is often in Baptist life, and this is what you've seen in denominational life, where there was some sort of schism, and so you've got, you know, Protestant, Roman Catholic, or you've got, you know, uh, whatever it is, uh, Baptist and Lutheran or Pentecostal or whatever, that in that separation, you draw a caricature of that person. So you have the caricature of the Pentecostal um, wild hair rolling across the floor, right? And that's what you think of. And yes, so, correct. You want to demonstrate? <laughs> I'm uh, well practiced at that. Yeah. But what you what you realize when you sit with someone you love, that's a Baptocostal, that that caricature is not fair, mm. right? It came from yeah. a place and probably came from the division, or. Um, you know, I have an Episcopal caricature in my head, and Patrick is nothing like that. Hmm. Um, and he loves the same Jesus that I love. So when, when we can come together, I think that's, that's part of the beauty of coming together, is you see, is, is we're, we're really not that different. And I think it's one of the great values of ecumenism, is that we, we recognize that, and we can see we love the same Jesus. And... When I'm talking to pastors, a pastor of a non-denominational church or a pastor, um, uh, and, and actually I've had the privilege, and I, I don't remember his name, because this is rare. The pastor of Concordia Lutheran has invited me out, and I've visited with him twice, though I don't remember his name. And I say that because uh, Lutherans uh, are, their character is, and this is practically reality, they will work with no one and will speak with no one. Um, for me to be invited into Concordia Lutheran is, is a big deal. And I, I think it says more about that current pastor rather than Concordia Lutheran as a whole. But um, I was invited, invited into his study, and we talked for a long time. Um, and so just that same way. So where I'm going, so um, we're generally a place I wouldn't be invited into. So the pastor of Concordia Lutheran's office, 
he has the same crazy church members that I have, right? He gets the same ridiculous emails that I do. Now, he, he in ha- the interest of naming names. <laughs> he has rogue staff members with bad jokes, like Brian Richardson. Wow. Okay. Right? He, okay. he has That's same, plenty of names. That's plenty same, of names. That, we're, we're, I feel vindicated. But let's, yeah. let's move on. <laughs> the time's getting away. But I, I, think, I think what you see and what... That's some of the beauty of being together. Um, is in Christ, we are unique, but we're not that different. And I think too often we define each other by the, by the faults and the failures and the divisions rather than what we have in common. And I think the more time you spend together, the more you, you recognize those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I don't know if that answers your question, yeah. but I, no, that's great. We, and, we got around again, it. Th- this whole thing about stereotyping, when you actually mm-hmm. sit with people, I, I think that is just... Amazing. Yeah. It's I mean, interesting, I really too. Do. I grew up in the Midwest, and there's just not as big of a Baptist presence up there. Um, yeah. It's more evangelical-free or um, Methodist or Pentecostal and those things. And so I just didn't have any um, concept of Baptist life until coming down here and, you know, Baylor and, and all of these things. And that's more the norm down here. Um, mm-hmm. And so even geographically, uh, mm-hmm. those differences are interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but And this is not on the list of questions that I gave you. Really, this is for both of you. I, we've heard before that denominations are going away, um, that the church is becoming less denominationed, I guess. Um, do you think that's true? Um, or do you have any thoughts about that? Or do you think that is more of a trend that is going to even out? Um, that is completely so off the cuff, I, so I'm sorry. Let me, let me talk about that from a different angle and then maybe come back to your question. I haven't thought as much about your question, but I have thought about this. Mm-hmm. For a while, particularly in the late 90s, early 2000s, and since, the, the cool thing to do was take Baptist out of your name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> most non-denominational churches around here, and most non-denominational churches in the South, were Baptists that just took yeah. Baptist out of their name. Most of them even still have Baptist um, sort of... Uh, paperwork, bylaws, the constitution. I mean, at their heart, they even still say Baptist, but they just took it out of their name because they thought that was the cool thing to do. And I will tell you, I think that is uh, unnecessary and possibly dangerous to just take Baptist out of your name because you think it's cool or you think more people will come in the door if you, you know, name your church... Uh, rejuvenate rather than um, that's so awesome you know you would first rejuvenate church or what, I don't know whatever <laughs> right rather than first Baptist church yeah so. <laughs> I love it so but to your question I don't I don't think denomination I think we may be redefining denominations it's a good question and this is where I'm going Churches of like minds are always going to continue to work together. And so whether or not we call that a denomination or not, there are going to be larger and larger groups of churches working together. Yeah. Uh, and, we, yeah. and, and we're, we're weaker if we don't have that, yeah. which in its best form, that's what a denomination is. So we think we most, li- uh, we most often and are most like uh, the Baptist General Convention of Texas. Um, or Texas Baptists, as they would rather be called. So Texas Baptists is about 5,000 Baptist churches in the state of Texas. Um, 
together, we, we pool resources that, you know, ends up being $30, $40 million a year. And so as 5,000 churches, $30, $40 million a year, we can do a lot together that we can't do separate. And so in that way, denominations, uh, I think, are good as long as we're working together in the same purposes. And so I don't know that they're going away. I think we're maybe redefining some of the lines yeah. of what that means and what it means to be a part of one another. And I think and I hope this is in a good way where we're getting rid of some of the harsh lines and settling on more Jesus-centered lines. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you that's think? Good. Well, yeah. I, I think that's exactly right. And I think we will continue to have denominations, whatever you call that, and, and why not call it denominations? But um, also, I think uh, along those lines, Chris, that um, denominations is probably uh, the best um, system for relating to people of other traditions because because you have a more you you denominations typically write down what they believe they teach that and they are able to have a more secure base to reach out to a, across denominational lines whereas if you if you're just sort of like church splits they those folks may never talk to one another for the rest of their lives because they don't really you don't have a church split and write down, you know, exactly what uh, happened and why you you stayed at this church or why those people left. You have stories that people tell, but a denomination when they when they have some kind of schism, usually they'll they'll think that through and they'll write it down, and that's a more secure place from which to reach out uh, to other people. So I think it serves a, a good purpose. Yeah. And in the positive light, um, divisions are terrible and draining um, but on some level they do help us clarify what we believe I think so and and yeah. bring us to places where we are thoughtful um, yes. about processes and who we are and who Jesus is that, that sometimes we don't get to without division right mm -hmm. we're, we're not just shooting from the hip mm -hmm. these are long thought-out positions and we we maneuver on that and, and it may help us hear God mm -hmm. in a way that yeah. in a more ordered way uh, than chaotic. Uh, so yeah. anyway, um, how can Baptists and even more specifically our church, um, become more ecumenical or lean into this kind of value system more? I think one of the things for us to do, because, you know, I mentioned some things earlier, there's some things that we're trying to do across denominational lines, and those are good things we need to continue to do this. But I think to answer your question, I think one of the, what we need to do as we pray and discern the things that God has for us in the days ahead, not to assume that they're just for us. Um, so yeah, sometimes I think we, we find a ministry or we, we recognize Jesus is calling us somewhere and we, we run in alone. When maybe it's a part of those discernment questions. So let's say this with our single adult ministry. We're praying together. And, and as we do, God reveals a ministry that the single adults need to do. Maybe a part of that question is, Lord, who do we need to do that with? Mm. So there are times where Jesus says, this is just for y'all. This is something you need to bind yourselves mm. together and to me. 
Um, but maybe to be thoughtful in the prayer beyond the discernment to say, Lord, who am I to do this with? And, and part of that falls into the equation of the second greatest commandment where Jesus tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so that mm -hmm. when I am doing the things that I feel called to do, how do I consider my neighbor? And so even in this way, you know, we've got, you know, first prez over here as a neighbor, redeemer prez over here, a neighbor or others right in the city. Um, Jesus am, am I supposed to do this with somebody else? Am I supposed to, is this just for us or is this something we're supposed to do together with another? And, and I think our discernment prayers and conversations rarely get to, um, how do I love my neighbor, um, in that kind of way, mm. to include them in the work that, that you've called me to do. Mm. And there may be people that are better suited or um, for that work that God's using to, to draw you together with. And so I think part of that is when we're doing something, who do we invite to go with us? And I, I think just opening those doors of communication and uh, invitation and hospitality um, are good steps and saying, you know, we love you. There is a hospitable dimension to ecumenism, isn't there? I Absolutely. Mean, I, I, and and I, I've never asked that question in the first iteration of an idea. Who, mm. who, Lord, who would you like to go with us in, yeah. in this? I've never done that. I, maybe mm. you have, Megan, but no. I, I haven't. But that I adds some um, accountability to it, too, right? right. When yeah, you're, absolutely. It's easy to hear right. something from the Lord and then kind of tuck yourself out of it or talk, you know, run out mm -hmm. ahead and um, having someone from a different um, perspective to kind of run that race with you. Yeah. yeah, and it is a different perspective and maybe help us to see it in three dimensions a little yeah. bit better. Can, can I share something I've never shared with anybody? Yeah, absolutely. So it has to stay in this room. This, okay? is, this, the, is, top this is the place the for it, Chris. All right. Beep. And again, we'll edit it out. Beep the podcast. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> it's really long. Um, <laughs> so um, this, is a, this is a new thing for me. So as I was praying in the new year, you know, as often we do, we pray and think about resolutions and those kinds of things. So... You know, I was praying, Lord, how are you growing me in this new year? And so I was praying the end of last year um, and, and journaling through those prayers and, and trying to sense where the Lord was, was leading me in that. So one of the areas I was asking the Lord how to grow um, was, you know, as a pastor and, and as a leader in the church, Lord, um, who can help me? Who can help me grow in that? And so one of the things I was just thinking through with that is, and this is part of growing up in the Baptist church, you know, we were asking earlier, I mean, I know the ins, ins and outs of the Baptist church, um, like the back of my hand. Um, and so I started to pray about a few men that I might visit with over the course of this year to talk about what it means to be a good pastor. Uh, and intentionally sought out uh, folks who are not a part of Baptist life. In fact, one of those men I haven't yet met with, but he just left me a message right when I was coming over here. Uh, African-American man, uh, Pentecostal denomination. He was in my heart. And I was saying, what can I learn about pastoring from this man? And so I've called him. We're going we're gonna to meet together. I'm going to try to learn uh, more from him. He just left, like I said, I, we haven't talked yet, but he just left me a message saying, when are we getting together? Um, another one? Um, 
he's dead, but I'm reading his books. Uh, Eugene Peterson. <laughs> so he died in 2018. This is, this is in the seance section. <laughs> so, but I want to learn from, from Eugene Peterson, right? How to be a better pastor. That's awesome. Not, not Baptist. Um, also, uh, I've, I've visited with um, two men that have come out and, and done ministry out of, um, oh, my mind's going blank, um, the church on 410, um, Roger Poopart is there now? Wayside. Oh, Two men out of Wayside. We had Poopart, right? Isn't that Poopart, right? It's the Roger Poopart, yeah. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Roger Poopart, I think is his name. Uh, but but anyway, not not him, not Roger in particular, but two other men that have come out of that church uh-huh. um, to talk about what it means to be a good pastor, right? So not Baptist, and then one other, uh, Les Holland, who's at, who was at Trinity Baptist that you were talking about earlier, who's retired now. He was, but he, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but but he's retired, so he retired Christmas Eve. So he's no, no longer there. Um, yeah, he did the Christmas Eve service and walked out. Uh, but everybody, everybody knew. No, it was, it was, they knew it was he was pre-planned. Was, it was pre-planned. It was pre-planned. Um, well, and Robert Creech is their interim. And yeah, he's and been Creech, to midweek Creech before. is their interim. Yeah, that's, yeah, right, yeah. that's right. That's right. But, but where, I'm, where I'm going with that um, is just as a part of my own professional pastoral life, Praying through, what does it mean to be a good pastor? And hearing from other folks, from other churches and other denominations, what that means and what that looks like, I think can only help and help me grow. Um, so, again, no one else knows that. You're the only group that, that knows, knows that. I've met with all the rest of them. I've read one Peterson book already. Um, and so I've met with all those guys except this um, uh, Terrell, who's, who I'll meet with soon. And I'm hoping to have some extended conversations with these guys just to see how the Lord might grow me in particular. And, and I think in turn will bless the church. And I hope so. Mm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. I don't remember where I was going with that. But. Well, it, it's, no, it's simply, you know, um, the value of ecumenism. And, yeah. and along those lines, what is, what is something you have mentioned a couple of times that you were born and bred, you know, Baptist. What is something that you hold dear in the Baptist tradition and something that you have uh, seen of value in other traditions uh, and maybe one other tradition? So I think that there's some things that are typically Baptist um, that are part of who we are that I'm grateful for. for. So one of those is the... Um, the significance of scripture that traditionally in the Baptist church, the heart of what we do uh, comes back to scripture and what scripture uh, teaches us about Jesus and how Jesus works through the scriptures Mm -hmm. where we're always going to find um, our connection to the Lord through scripture. That's going to be the lens through which we view the world around us. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's primary. And I, I love that scripture is primary for us. I also do love and appreciate this. And this goes a little bit against our talk tonight, but the autonomy of the local body. Mm. I think the church is beautiful in its autonomy, which means 
There's no governing board outside of our own church that tells us what to do. Right? So Baptist, there's, there's, no, there's no governing council over Baptist churches. Every Baptist church is their own, um, uh, sorry, I mean, we're our own entity, right? We make our own decisions. No one else speaks into our decision making. Sometimes that gets us into wild trouble, but other times that leads into great graces of the Lord. And I think we're better off as autonomous bodies rather than governed by some larger entity. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, those are a couple of main. So I, I would say to, I think, the emphasis in power of evangelism and witness. So the Baptist church have been champions of, of witness and uh, mission and evangelism mm-hmm. across the globe. And I think our churches are lesser when we don't um, make sharing our faith a priority. And there are many churches who don't do that um, and denominations who, who find that appalling. Um, but I think we're stronger in taking the Great Commission seriously and being a people of witness and, and evangelism. So you can... Sure. Yeah, that's right. And there's some, now this is overgeneralizing, but there is um, at the heart of Calvinism a, a struggle to evangelize uh, out of the theology. And like I said, I'm overgeneralizing a little bit, but you will find that in uh, Presbyterian churches with this this heart of Calvinism, and you'll find it in in, in, in Reformed churches. Mm-hmm. There there is right. So, um, but but there are some who are very anti-evangelism out of that movement. Yeah. And something in another tradition that you find of value. I heard some of y'all's statements earlier when we were talking around our tables. I think there's several things um, that excite me in other denominations. Um, One of those, and this gets to liturgy, um, but it's it's more than that. Um, Baptist tradition. So a lot of things in the Baptist church we did early on because we were we never wanted to be ever confused with Roman Catholicism. And so Baptists were so anti-Catholicism that that sometimes we run too far in other directions. And so let me give you an example. There is great power and beauty and ritual that we run away from because we don't want to be seen as Catholic. Um, But uh, rituals um, remind us that the profane don't rule the world. Mm. When we come into the ritual... It helps remind us and center us um, on who Jesus is, and that there is order in the cosmos. Is did you? Is that just off the cuff? That is a well, great statement. 
let me say, this is from one of my funeral sermons. I'm giving you, I, so I have a funeral sermon on, on the power of, of ritual. It's great. The, the power of ritual and the, the power of wedding and what it means in the ritual itself. So in the wedding sermon, the way I take this is. Funeral or wedding? Wedding. Oh, okay. All right. Your, your marriage does not look like this ritual but what we understand is across the surface of this earth is this constant buzz of chaos. But outside of that, there, there is this order in the hands of God that rests over it. And the rituals remind us of that. Mm-hmm. And the rituals take us back to that, that, that the chaos is not what sets the tone of this earth. Man. But it is the Lord our God. And in the ritual, remind, the ritual we're, we're taken out of the, the pain and chaos of this world into a moment that, that points us in a different direction. And, and many other denominations do that much better than we do because we run away from ritual because we don't want to be seen as Catholic. Um, but, but those things can be powerful. And so when we're talking about liturgy, when we're talking about some of those things that we see in other denominations, that, that's what we're sensing, I think. And we don't do that as well in the Baptist church. So I, I think those are... Those that's just, that's really, really great. Uh, I need to, mm-hmm. we need to remember that for mm-hmm. sure. The, r- ritual reminds us that the profane don't rule the world. Mm-hmm. And I think... The first time around, you said funeral. That's why I said that. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, Wait, did I say funeral? Yeah. Uh, oh no! I thought you were joking. I, it 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 really is a. <laughs> oh my word! I thought Bri- I, so. I thought Brian was making a poor joke. Yeah, I know. I, I misspoke. I misspoke. No, no, no. It it is. So this is one of those things. So when when. Um, Doing weddings, I typically have two or three set um, outlines that I use when I'm doing weddings and then personalize it for the couple, however I need to do that. Um, and so one of those is about the power of ritual. And so it, it's a wedding, wedding <laughs> service. I've, I've never used it at a funeral. I, no, I, although I didn't work at a funeral. I just wanted to but... redeem myself that I was not trashing uh, weddings. Although like I the had... old ball and chain. It's a I, funeral. I, uh, we love Linda Lee. Yes, we and, do. And, um, I, I do have a funeral tomorrow. I wonder if I could incorporate that into that. I've already finished that sermon. So maybe, maybe I'll be able, to cor- be able to incorporate that into the, you heard the funeral it tomorrow. First. Uh, Y'all are getting well, all kind of uh, inside info. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's inside baseball. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. And we do have some questions that uh, folks have sent in on uh, Slido here. And one is... Well, this one says, can you imagine a cross-denominational singles Christian conference that we host? Yes, I can imagine that, and uh, we can talk about that later. Um, no, I mean, we, yes. No, there's um, the young adults minister at Trinity um, that I've met through some things that she was interested they're in. They're Baptist. <laughs> oh, fine. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll find some Presbyterians, too. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's a great yeah. idea, and that's worth. The, we've talked about that a few weeks ago too. That's, that's a good idea. That would yeah. that we we do need to talk about 
talk more about that. Um, the church has gotten a poor reputation in the world because of its divisions. Yeah. How can ecumenism be a catalyst to healing that image in our world? Uh, so a couple of things there. When I was preparing for this time, um, I did brief historical research, just grabbed a couple of uh, uh, Christian history books and just looking at the history of ecumenism. And both of them made the point to say, and I didn't remember this or know this, I, I, guess, it's, I guess it's right, that in the Protestant world, ecumenism really took off when many denominations were um, witnessing in India and were getting no traction. And they started wow. to say, what if we did this together rather than a bunch of different groups? Um, and they begin to see other traction. And, and so they were both making the case that it, it came out of this, this problem that they faced, that the, they weren't seeing any um, movement of the gospel in India. And the, these denominations came back and said, Protestant denominations said, I don't know, maybe we should work together and we can see more progress. And so, um, wow. I mean, I think that's right. I, so I think when you, when you think about how the world views us, we, we do spend a lot of time fighting one another. And I think some of that is because we haven't been focusing uh, on, on other significant issues in the world that we could tackle together. Um, and, and I think a lot of the world does just see our, our fights and our splits and wow. our pain. Yeah. Tackling something that is besetting the human race together would seem to be something that would be a great cultural good. Um, in what specific ways should or can we be praying for our church and its connection to other churches? Um, I would say You know, one of, one of the big, so let's peel back another layer. One of, one of the difficulties that we have with ecumenism or unity across uh, church lines or denomination lines is most churches, and, and we still often fall in this category too, um, see ourselves um, in competition with the other churches. Mm -hmm. In that our work um, is competitive. And often we think about churches as, well, we're better than that church, or we're not as good as that church, or we're doing this, and they're not doing that, or they're doing that, and they're not doing this. And or we have this many people, they have that many people, we have this many people at that event. And, and, um, and the relationship of a lot of churches is built more around this competitive nature which sometimes can be harnessed for good, but usually is a disaster. And so I think as we pray for our church and other churches around this topic, it's to remove that heart of negative competition. I mean, there's probably ways competition is a good thing, but the, the, the ways that, that divides us and separates us into haves or have-nots or better or worse or um, and, and not see other churches as competition because we're not. We're, we're in this together. 
Um, well, we're we're going to be approaching a couple million people in this area. Um, mm -hmm. I, I've been um, talking with Ed Newton at CBC and, and some of their church planning folks. Um, we don't have nearly enough churches in San Antonio. Um, uh, CBC has been working with um, Will Mancini to um, look at the statistics of the area. And by their account, San Antonio probably needs right now at this moment 500 more churches than we do right now. And that's not including any growth in the future of population um, that for the kingdom of God to expand to a couple million people, we, we probably don't have enough churches. Um, so where I'm going is I, I hope that sort of lessens the idea that we're in competition with this church or that church because hmm. we're not. We're in it together, and we're going to work together um, for the sake of the kingdom of God. And so I think, I think pray for that spirit of, I don't know, what's the opposite of competition? What's an anonym of competition? Yeah, there you go. A spirit of cooperation. That's good. Um, something like that. That's yeah. good. That's, that's a great specific way to pray. Um, what is it that draws you to Eugene Peterson? Full disclosure, I've got serious beef with the message. <laughs> Eugene Peterson um, was a faithful thoughtful pastor and so remember I was saying I was coming to his books to think through what it means to be a faithful thoughtful pastor I want to do that well um, and he's written a lot about that very thing so one of the books I'm reading now I've, I've, I've read before it's called The Contemplative Pastor um, which is a wonderful book. Um, and then we've got another book of essays that he's written on that. And I will say, there have been few that were more thoughtful than he um, in this lane. And he lived it. You know, where we started, it may have been you, Megan, I don't remember who asked the question, but, or actually, I think it was Brian, that um, these concepts can easily become ivory tower conversations. One of the things that we have to work through, um, in particular as pastors, is there are many in our seminaries who are teaching us, and many of the books that were written are written by people who aren't pastoring. Um, they're in the academic world. Some of them... Um, struggle to make it to their own church on Sunday. And so it's, it's hard uh, to read some of our academic material knowing they weren't toiling away in the church. Eugene Peterson was toiling away in the yeah. church yeah. always. And so there is um, an earthiness to his academic writing because he toiled away in the church. And I think you can learn a lot from that. I don't agree with everything Eugene Peterson has written either, um, but I, I think he was very thoughtful and committed to his work, even in the message. Um, there's some problematic things, um, but that work, um, 
that was a monumental task that I can't even imagine trying to do. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's where that's coming from. And to his credit, even Eugene Peterson says that the message is not meant to be a substitute for more substantive right. translations right. like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, uh, and you know, that NASB. Started, so even NASB the message started in his toiling away in the church. Yeah. So when he was, he was, um, and uh, he said when he was writing his sermons and he was in, he was working through Psalms, um, and he, he wanted for his church to write um, a translation of a particular psalm that he felt like he wanted to convey in his sermon. And so he wrote from the Hebrew, right? He was, a, he was an expert scholar in, in languages and Hebrew. And, and, and he wrote his own translation out of the Hebrew um, for his church. And it was a gift to his church. And out of that came uh, all the others. Um, That's amazing. And so it was even in that, um, he was toiling away in the church as a faithful pastor. And all of us have our failures. I'm going to fail you as a pastor. He has failed in many ways as a pastor. But he kept going. And um, he didn't lock himself away in an ivory tower like mm. he could have. Mm, and I find that very endearing. Um, and so, yeah, and just, just grateful for that. You know, I, I don't know if this is one of the books you're reading or maybe you've read it already, but uh, another one of it, the title alone is just amazing to me. A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I've listened to it on Audible. I, just, I don't have it. I don't title. have the written book. A yeah. Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And I think he got the title from somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, I think he did. I, or I don't remember. I could be wrong. Yeah, sounds old, older than he was. Mm -hmm. Um do you think all the Christ-believing churches will ever unite? Define the word unite, please. <laughs> well, we have the United Churches of Christ denomination, so that answers itself. <laughs> Next. No. Uh, I, I don't know. I, um, unite. I don't know. Maybe unite depends on how you define it, you know? I think it depends on how you define it. I mean, practically, no. That's probably a miracle that only happens at the end of time under the authority of Jesus Christ. So, yes, there will be a time. Well, uh, the time will be the end of time, <laughs> right? When, when time ends, churches will unite. So, be. never. If, is, is never confined by time? Whoa. Don't, I don't know. I don't this, think so. That's the philosophical midweek in the city that we're going to have later. Would you define yeah. unite and time? And then, we'll, then we'll figure that out. That's also one of the problems that has caused denominations is, is definitions of particular theological words. Yeah, that's that, true. Um, that's a great point. Yeah. Homo usias, homo usias, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Homo usias, yeah. That was a big one. Um, oh, yes. Did somebody... Great. So I would say, you know, I'm still relatively new and still feel new for a lot of reasons, even though we're approaching five years now. Um, but Don Guthrie was here for a year and a half. We've had over two years of COVID. Um, and so I still feel like the new guy because Don was here. COVID was here. Yeah. We still, I mean, <laughs> it's been this sort of wild, long transition. 
uh, through this. And where I'm going with this is, you know, one of the things that pained me moving here, we've been in Waco 17 years. I knew most every pastor in Waco um, and had great deep connections there. Moving here, the only pastor I knew was Les Holland at Trinity. Um, didn't know anybody else. Didn't even know Don, who's here. And, um, you know, so coming in, that was a hard road to hoe, both learning this church and learning the community. Um, but I sensed that one of the beautiful things that came out of COVID was I developed many deepening relationships with other pastors that I didn't have before. So during those couple of months where we were virtual, um, Ed Newton at CBC and I put together a group of about 75 pastors um, that talked, uh, that Zoomed, and said, we're going to do this together. It gets back to that, that competition thing. You know, some churches were saying, well, we're open, you're not. Other churches were saying, well, we're going to open this date, and we're going to open before you. You know, it was that kind of competition. And so the heart of our conversation was, let's talk and let's do this together. So I think it was about 70 or so of us, we'd get on Zoom uh, all across the community and say, this is what we're doing. And not everybody did the same thing, but to be on the same page that I knew what they were going to do. They knew what we were going to do. And so if we wanted to do the same thing, we would. But if not, we had good decisions and good reasons why we didn't do those things. Um, but out of that, I have ever-deepening relationships with many of those pastors that I wouldn't have had before COVID. And I didn't have before COVID. And so COVID, I feel like, and this is what I'm sensing from the other pastors, that COVID brought the pastors in San Antonio wow. to closer together wow. than anything that others have seen. And, and I sense that, too, among that. So I, w I was great, grateful for that. And I met wow. many pastors I wouldn't have met otherwise. Um, that's awesome. Uh, final question. Did, what, did somebody say? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that is cool. Um, that's really beautiful. Final question here is, does, does 1 Corinthians 1.10 speak against deno uh, divisions and deno or denominations? I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Does that, the question is, does that speak against denominations? Eh, that's a good question. Um, my first glance at this, so this is not ex cathedra, right? This is... Chris taking a guess, a stab at it, okay? So don't, don't hold me to this. Um, my first blush at this is I suspect Paul had in mind the local body of believers. Um, I think that's probably written more in particular to say, First Baptist San Antonio, let there be no divisions among mm. you. Um, I could be wrong on that. Um, Maybe we think outside of Corinth or outside of First Baptist San Antonio. Um, and where I'm going is there are always going to be lots of churches, and that's a good thing. And there will be um, a variety of churches. Um, 
there are going to be differences um, in style and practice. And, um, so there are always going to be more practical divisions. So think along lines of we need a church in downtown and we need a church on 410. That doesn't mean we're divided, right? We're going to have different churches and that kind of thing. So um, when I read that, I think more local body, but hopefully we can yeah. be united. Uh, um, so I don't know if that speaks against, that didn't really answer the question about denominations. Um, saying I like that church, but I don't like that church. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe. It, it, it might. It, it, that does make sense that he, he would, he's writing, and he knew that this would be probably circulated among the churches, but the, but the sense is that he's writing to each fellowship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in that sense, in that you know, capsule, uh, he, didn't, he knew that there should not be any divisions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah. um, everybody, yeah. can we thank Chris Johnson? Hey, it was good to, good to be with you all tonight. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah. Um, as is our custom, and this has been great, by the yeah, way, really, really, really great. And we, we got some, as Chris said, you know, some inside information on uh, several things going on, which is great. <laughs> it's a bonus. Um, but uh, as is our tradition here, we pray for one another around tables. If you can stick around just for a few moments, if, if you can, uh, pray for one another and meet somebody new. And did you have a question? <laughs> ecumenically pray for one another right i don't know that's a great question but uh meet somebody new pray for one another i don't know i think if anybody claims that it's probably the pentecostals well, <laughs> well that's Maybe true we'll just get thrown under we'll, we'll call it a night thanks everybody